right. Um, you know, last week, I, or actually two weeks ago, I was reading through the book of Mark. I got up in the morning. I was just spending some time reading, and, and, I, and I was reading the story of Jesus' baptism. And, and I've read this story, you know, many times throughout my life, um, but there was something about this day where the, the details of, of the story, man, it was just grabbing my heart, grabbing my attention. There was something that was, was stirring in me. And, and, and I don't know if it was like, um, because I knew that we were having baptism night tonight, that two weeks ago, my mind was going there, or, or maybe even a little bit closer to home. It's super special for us as a family. Our oldest daughter, Finley, is getting baptized tonight, which is awesome. Um, but, but my mind was just really drawn towards Jesus in this story. And I started to wrestle with some of the questions. I don't know if you've, if you've ever read the story of Jesus getting baptized or if you've ever really thought about it, but, but I was reading it and just going, man, why did Jesus get baptized? You ever thought about that? I started to, to wrestle with, man, do I, do I really understand the, the depth of, of meaning and the gift of what baptism is? And so, you know, coming into this week, I was planning on talking about what it looks like for followers of Jesus to engage in culture in this tumultuous time. You know, Andrew and I asked our family, hey, what were places of weakness that you discovered this past year? And so we've just kind of been going through topically based upon your feedback. And one of the things that you shared was, man, I don't know how to, to, to be a bold, faithful follower of Jesus in the midst of the culture that we find ourselves in. So I was preparing for, for that easy teaching today. And, and, and I woke up, you know, honestly, I was feeling like, okay, God, I think you've given me some direction and clarity. But I came in Thursday morning, I was spending time with the Lord in prayer. And I felt like I just didn't have peace about speaking in the culture. I felt like this morning we were supposed to talk about baptism. And I'm like, Lord, I haven't been working on a sermon about baptism. And we have a newborn baby. And, you know, there's all these things going on. And I just felt like the Lord was going, hey, just trust me here. We need to talk about baptism. And so this morning, we're going to look at Jesus' baptism for, for the purpose of, of extracting the, the fullness of of the gift of what baptism is. And so there are a couple things I wanted to share before we, we jump in. You know, I believe that there are some of you here this morning that the Lord is calling to take the step of baptism. Um, I'll let you know a little bit of my story. I grew up in church. Mom and dad loved the Lord, talks about the Lord, prioritized church. So unbelievably thankful for the foundation that they laid. Gave my life to Jesus and got baptized when I was 11 years old. And, you know, story kind of goes on from there. Go to high school, go to college. And get out of college, we plant Ethos. And actually my senior year of college, we start Ethos. And, and I start to just really wrestle with some things. You know, we start having these baptism nights. And I start feeling this inside of me like, man, did I really know what I was getting into when I got baptized when I was 11? Did I know the, the fullness? And it's like, no, of course not. Like, no one knows. It's like marriage. You have no idea the fullness of what it entails, but you step in and it's covenant. And, and so, you know, 22, 23 years old, I'm, I'm wrestling with, man, do I really understand baptism? The answer was no. When I was about 26 years old, I was driving to work one day, driving in from, you know, our house in Mount Juliet, and I just feel the Lord stirring me. Like, Brandon, you need to get baptized. Like, Lord, I already, I got baptized. And it was just this, you know, this kind of back and forth. And, and what I felt like the Lord was saying, it's like, it's not that the first baptism didn't work. And I'm not here to preach rebaptism. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell you my story and the way that, that God was stirring in my heart. I felt like the Lord was calling me about 10 years ago, Brandon, you need to step into a surrendered life. That 
that you need to, to fully surrender your, your life and your ways to me and my ways. And I felt like the Lord was going, and part of this is, is stepping into the waters of baptism. So I drove into the office and I told the five or six coworkers, hey, I feel like I called court on the way and I feel like I'm supposed to get baptized. And, 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 and I just share that because I go, man, for some of you, you've, you've been feeling the pull of your heart. You've, you've never been baptized before. And some of you, the Lord is calling to take the step into baptism. Others of you this morning, maybe you come here and, and, and you have been baptized, but the reality, you, you're a follower of Jesus. But if, if you're being really honest about the, the condition of your heart, is, is that you've grown really complacent in your walk with Jesus. Man, that your, your, your faith is kind of stale, that there is this spiritual fog that has kind of set in in your head and your heart. And this morning, I don't think the Lord's calling you to get rebaptized. I think the Lord, what he's wanting you to do through this teaching is to remind you of the abundant life, to breathe some of the fresh air of the spirit, to, to move the fog away so you can understand and be reminded of this amazing life that you chose to step into whenever you gave your life to Jesus. And I believe that for all of us, it's especially those of us who are followers of Jesus, man, that, that I think God wants to use this story looking at his baptism, man, to stir up this zeal in us. Man, to see people who are in our families and that live in our neighborhoods, that work with us, that are not followers of Jesus, I believe that he's wanting to stir up in us this, this zeal to see people give their lives to Jesus. And for us not to be bystanders or for us not to be people on the sideline, but for the work of God to flow through our lives to help people step into the abundant life of Jesus. So this morning, we're gonna jump in looking at Jesus' baptism so we can extract the beauty and the meaning that's intended. And so I wanna invite someone with a loud, confident voice just right now to stand up and to read Mark chapter one, verses one through 13. Who's gonna do it? He's gonna be the brave soul. You're like, this is a weird church. Like, it's not, this is not how you're supposed to do church. It is. Hunter broke the barrier. Like, there you go. Yeah, Mark chapter one, verses one through 13. Read it loud. Kimberlyn, the word of the Lord, Mark 1. You know, I love the way that Mark starts his account. He's sitting down, he's trying to, to, 
to tell the story of Jesus. And this is where he begins. He begins by, by talking about Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, this man who was going to pave the way for Jesus. And so John is in the wilderness and he's preaching this baptism of, of repentance, of, of turning your life around. And, and if you turn your life around, there's forgiveness of sins. And it says that the crowds are, are going out to the wilderness. They're, they're, it's not in the middle of Jerusalem, in the middle of town and life and culture and thriving. They, they go out to the, the, the country where John is because they're attracted to the message. They're attracted to the pureness of what is being preached by John's mouth. And so all these people are, are coming to John and they recognize there's something right, there's something beautiful about his message of, man, repenting. They, they look at their lives and they go, man, there are things that, that I want to turn away from. And so they're, they're being baptized in the water. And it says that Jesus, the cousin of John, shows up and Mark's account's very brief. You can go and read it in, in Luke to get a more thorough picture of, of what that looked like. But it says that, that, that Jesus showed up, he was baptized by John. You know, here's what I wanna begin. There, there are five observations that I wanna make. I encourage you to take notes. I encourage you to, to pull out your phone to, to write these things down. Don't just take my word from it. We are to be people who study the scriptures, who wrestle with this. And so I am not the, the authority who has it all figured out. I do come with spiritual authority to preach the word to us, but it's, it's our job to go, man, is, is this actually true? Does this line up in other places? And so don't receive these words casually. Lean in this morning. Take, don't just take my word for it. Dig in and, and look for yourself. And so the, the first thing that I want us to look at this morning that we learned from Jesus's baptism baptism is that baptism is bigger than just being about being forgiven of your sins. That baptism is, is bigger than simply being forgiven of your sins. There's this famous sermon in, in Acts that, that Peter gives in Acts chapter two, where 50 days after Jesus has been crucified, raised from the dead, he has ascended to the, the Father. 50 days after this moment, Peter stands up to preach and he's preaching to a crowd of, of 3,000 people. Imagine that. We have you know, 80, 100 people here today. Imagine if there were 3,000 people. And it says that, that the 3,000 people were cut to the heart at what he was saying. You know that feeling when, when, when something is just turning inside of you where you, you, you know that something's been off and, and, and Peter's preaching about Jesus and who he is and the crowd's responding, their hearts are responding and they go, man, what do we, what do we gotta do to be right with God? You know that feeling where you go, man, I'm, I know that I'm not right with God. I wanna be right with God. And he says, repent and be baptized, all of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And, and for a lot of my life, you know, growing up in church, growing up reading and knowing that passage of scripture that was incredibly important to me, when I thought about baptism, that was the, the fullness of what I thought baptism was. Man, it's, it's the place that your sins are forgiven. And don't get me wrong, because that is a, a, a beautiful aspect to what happens in baptism. And to think that, that the God of heavens who's seen all of my rebellious ways and all the times where I've gone my own way and did what I wanted, and the fact that because of Jesus, that because of my relationship to Jesus, my faith in Jesus, God would choose to lay on Jesus my punishment and the consequence for my sin and my rebellion and allow me to go free. That's a huge deal. I mean, that, that should stir up this, this love in our hearts to, to wanna know what kind of God, to wanna know this Jesus who would lay down his life, who would take our punishment. What kind of a man would do that for you? You see, but, but baptism is not just about the forgiveness of sins. It would be like you saying, Man, I love the food culture in Nashville. <laughs> like, I, I just love the food. It's like, oh, really? Where do you eat? Man, I eat at Baja Burrito. Well, well what else? Well, I only eat at Baja Burrito. It's like, what are you talking? Like, 
Baja Brito is a great part of Nashville, but the, the food scene is much broader and much more expansive than just one restaurant in, in Nashville. And, and I go, the same is true of baptism. If, if we look at baptism and go, man, it's, it's just about the forgiveness of sins. It's, it's so much more robust. There's so much more that happens here. So baptism is, is bigger than just being forgiven of our sins. And we know this because Jesus was baptized. Jesus, the scriptures tell us in Hebrews 4, verse 15, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, Jesus had no sin. Jesus was not stepping into baptism like everyone else that day going out to John. It's not because he had this, this, this skeletons in the closet, this, these this terrible choices that he needed to have his heart cleansed by God. No, there was something different happened. Baptism is bigger than just about being forgiven our sins. The second thing is, is that baptism is the starting line, not the finishing line. Baptism's a starting line, not the finish line. You know, I remember several years ago, I was doing a, a wedding for um, some, some family friends of ours. And the, the couple that was getting married, man, and this is not, maybe it is judgmental and you can forgive me if it's true, but they were just, they were, they were Christian, very culturally. Very little about their life. Would you look at and go, oh yeah, man, I see resemblance of Jesus. And I remember talking to, to the mom one day, kind of leading up to the ceremony, and she said this thing that stuck with me. And honestly, it kind of bothered me, um, maybe because it resonated too deeply. But, but she said, man, my job was just to get my kids baptized. And I thought about that for a minute. Like how many of us, we, we, we have viewed baptism that way. Man, it's that moment that, that you get forgiven. Oh, and then good, I am, I am good with God from now on. It's, it is cruise control. It's maintaining. It's, you know, the, this, this decision that was made. It's this choice that was made. And now I just get to kind of live the rest of my life however I want. And, and I go, man, where do we get that, that theology? How does that, that way of viewing life in God come into our? And maybe you guys go, man, I don't, I've never wrestled with that. I knew that baptism was not the, 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 the finishing point. I knew it was the starting point. But, but for some, man, maybe you didn't know that. And, and, and it's true that, that in that moment, man, when you put your faith in Jesus and you're, there's alignment with Jesus, you are forgiven. You're made right with God forever. But the reality is that, that your life with God is beginning there. So you see this all in scripture. You see this in Romans chapter six where Paul will say, hey, you have been made dead to sin. How can you live in it any longer? And what he's saying is that, man, once you are start walking with Jesus, once you've been covered in baptism, the, the choice is made. Are you gonna keep living into your sinful ways? Are you gonna lean into the life of God? Or in Philippians chapter two, Paul will write, hey, continue to work out your salvation with fear and with trembling. Or in Colossians chapter one, where Paul will say this, hey, if, if, if you continue in your faith, not being moved from the hope that's been held out in the gospel. You see, what we discover in Jesus's baptism is that it wasn't the finishing line. It was the starting point. So we see baptism, it's, it's more than just about being forgiven of our sins. It's the, it's the beginning point and not the ending point. This, the third thing I want us to look at this morning is that in Jesus's baptism, it was about Jesus stepping into what God created him to do. Baptism was this crossing over moment. You see, it was this moment that, that moved Jesus to begin his earthly ministry. 
And I love that, that God used the water to serve as this, this pivoting moment, this transitional moment, this starting point. I love the way that, that God used water to help us understand this because God does this in so many other ways. He does this in our physical world. He does it in other places in scripture. Let me give you an example. When a mom is about to give birth to her baby, what is the thing that breaks that lets you know that a transition's about to happen? It's the water. You know, that, that for, for nine, 10 months, that baby has been growing and has been developing, not in my stomach, nothing's happened here, but in, in, in the mother's womb, it's been, it's been growing and developing and, and, and developing all these, these amazing characteristics. And then the water breaks and, and, and that's the indication that something's about to change. It's this moment where the, the baby was never intended to live in the mom's womb for, forever, that, 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 that there was this transition point that would be marked by water, that God was helping us understand something is changing. Something is shifting, but it's not just in our physical world. You see it in other places in scripture. I love one of the most important stories in all the Bible is what happens in Exodus. The Jewish people have a, a holiday, literally once a year. They, they gather with family and friends and they retell and they relive this amazing story that happened. That's documented in the book of Exodus. When the Israelites, the Jewish people, were living in, in slavery under oppression for 400 years and God with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm intervenes, and he brings the, his people out of slavery, out from under the, the rule and oppression of, of Pharaoh. And what is it that they had to cross in order to get where God wanted them to be? What was it? The water. You see, God, in his, in his, in his vastness of his creativity and his brilliance, he, he uses water in so many different ways to help us understand this, this, this crossing over this stepping into that he desires for us. You see, baptism is this moment of, of stepping into what God created you for. Do you realize that? Romans 6, Paul says it like this. He says that we may live a new life. How many of you, you moved away from your hometown, you went to college in, in a different city, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you moved away because you wanted a, a fresh start? <laughs> or how many of you, 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 there's some giggles going on, nailed it. So how many of you, you, you graduated college and, and you didn't like the person that you were, you didn't like your reputation? How many of you moved to a different city? Again, don't raise your hand. How many of you moved to a different city because you wanted a fresh start? And there's nothing wrong with that. My, my point is that there's something inside of us that longs for the newness, a new life. And so we're offered in baptism. You know, the reality is it is possible to get baptized and to still live the same life that you always lived. If, if baptism is nothing more than a ritual, something that you're doing simply because you think you're supposed to. Man, your life is not any different. There's nothing new about your life. You see, baptism, it does not save people. Faith in Jesus saves people. Jesus saves people. Guys, there's nothing magical about the water in and of itself. 
the power in baptism comes in, in what you're, you're proclaiming, what you're declaring with your life. The, the power of baptism comes in what you're declaring to God and to the world and to the powers and principalities that we can't see. It's this declaration that you are choosing to live a new life. It's, it's, it's this declaration that, that you are receiving by faith, the gift of grace from God. It's this declaration that, that you're choosing to live a life dead to sin and alive to God. It's this declaration of, 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 of union with Jesus. Not this special relationship with Jesus or with baptism, but special relationship with the one that you become one with in baptism. Declaration is, is this declaration to the culture and to the powers and principalities that are warring against our hearts and our minds to separate us from Jesus. It's this declaration that we're gonna give all of our lives to serve not ourselves, but to serve Jesus. Baptism is this declaration that we are giving our attention to God, that we desire to be led by God, to do things God's ways. You see, baptism is this stepping into what God created. It's a crossing over moment. But it's not just that. It's, it's more than that. Fourth thing that baptism is, it's the place you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love this in verse 10. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. Did any of you have that experience when you got baptized? <laughs> like, Okay, so, so I didn't either. Um, so what do we do with that? And I read that for a long time and I'm like, man, okay, does Jesus just have like a different version of the Holy Spirit? Like, is there like the Holy Spirit and then there's like, you know, the Holy Spirit of people like me? And, and what he was helping me understand is that, no, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit by faith. That there was something special, that there was a, a forerunner nature that, that God was doing through Jesus, that in Jesus, he was drawing everyone's attention to what happens in, in baptism, that in that moment, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul declares in Acts chapter two. Everyone who repents gives their life to Jesus. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I go, guys, if, and, and girls, if you were here this morning and you've been baptized into Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And I spent so many years of my life wondering, man, do I have this spirit? Man, my life doesn't seem to be as, as fruitful and as spirit-filled as, as ATs or as whoever it is that I'm, that I'm walking in life. And have you ever had that moment where you look at your life and you know your own struggles and you know your own weaknesses and you go, do I even have the Holy Spirit of God? Have you ever wrestled with that question? And what, and what Jesus declares is that, man, when you give your life to him, he gives you the spirit. For the past several months is we've kind of been discerning baptism for Finley, with Finley. This has been one of the most exciting, one of the things that I'm, I'm most thankful for is that in baptism, because of her faith in Jesus, she's getting help. And as a dad, I go, there's nothing more that I could want for my girl. 
And the help that, that comes through, through the Holy Spirit is described like this all throughout the scripture in 1 John. John, the beloved, the, the apostle of Jesus says, greater is he who is in you than what? Finish my sentence. Than he who is in the world. The one who is in you is greater. He's more powerful. He's more beautiful. He's more lovely. He's stronger. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And that gift will live in Finley. Paul describes it like this in 2 Timothy 1, that the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. We're not walking around on eggshells. The spirit that God gave us gives us power and love and self-control. It's not a weak spirit. It's the spirit of the living God. He's powerful. He helps us love. He helps us live in this place, this posture of self-control. How many of us need help in the area of self-control? I know that I do. And this is the help that comes. One more. The help that comes. Paul describes it like this in Ephesians 1. He is a deposit, a down payment, guaranteeing our inheritance. And when anyone turns to Jesus, this is the help you get. This is the help that you get. Think about that. Think about the beauty and the fullness of, of a father that, that goes, when you step into to life with me, life's gonna get harder. <laughs> you see this right after Jesus got baptized. What happened? Who showed up after he got baptized? Satan gets, Satan shows up. <laughs> and I love this picture of our father. Okay, Satan's coming in his wisdom, in his foreknowledge of what was gonna happen. He sends one who's greater. Think about your father. In baptism, you receive the gift of the spirit. And the fifth thing that happens in baptism, let's recount these one more time. I gotta look over my notes. It's bigger than just being forgiven of sins. It's the starting line and not just the finishing line, or not the finishing line. It's stepping into what you were created for. You receive the gift of the spirit. And fifth and finally, it's the place where you were declared to be God's child. Verse 11, A voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love with you, I'm well pleased. And again, this did not happen at my baptism. Maybe it happened at yours, Hannah. Like maybe this, like this happened, but, but I didn't hear the audible voice. I didn't see heavens being ripped open, but what I, what I did receive by faith is the things that God has told me. Galatians chapter three, this is what Paul writes. In Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. You're a child of God. He goes on in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7. He says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive, listen to this, adoption. We are not the, the, the same as Jesus. We've been adopted in. He says this, because you are his sons, because you're his daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, the spirit who calls out Abba. Abba, the, the, the intimate. The way a child talks to their, their, their parent when they're a baby. Abba, mama, dada, Abba. 
And since you're a child, God's made you an heir. You know, one of the most impactful moments for helping me understand this, Court and I got to go to one of our friends. Uh, we were at the, the courthouse with them as they were legally adopting their son. We were sitting in the back of the room and, and, the, and the judge calls them forward holding their son and, and they look at them and, and, and they, I don't remember all the questions that they say, but basically say, hey, from now on, this is your son. From now on, he carries your name. He's yours. This is yours. That this, this kid's life was forever marked, that he was part of this family. It was one of the most meaningful moments is this judge who had authority, who had power. I don't know how he has authority and power, but he does. And you feel it if you've ever been in a courtroom and, and, and he declares this child to be their child. And I'm just weeping because I'm going, man, that's the picture. That God looks at you and says, Tom, you're my son. Lee, you're my son. Brian, you're my son. Kimberly, you're my daughter. Ann, you're my daughter. Cassidy, you're my daughter. And he looks at us and he declares it. And we, by faith, receive it. Here's how I want to end today. Man, there is something that is so beautiful that happens in this. But this is not a sermon about baptism. This is a sermon about your life being united with Christ forever. It's, it's about you understanding that, that, that one day, you know, we're singing that song, one day every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. And Christ will look at you. And, and you have an opportunity in this life to prepare and to think about, to be ready for that moment. Where, you're, where, where, where when you stand in front of God, the, the creator and the sustainer of life, the one who sent his son, for, for you to be able to say, I leaned my whole life by faith into the truth that you buried in the scriptures, this ancient book. I let my life be shaped and marked by it, that I believed in you and I followed you and I put my trust in you. And for you, it will be this glorious moment of, of walking by faith, not perfection. You're gonna stumble and you fall, but it'll be this moment where you can look at God in the eyes and you'll say, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you loved me. I knew you've come to save me. I knew it. And there will be a moment where all the promises of God are kept and they're fulfilled. And we have a chance in this life to let our lives be marked by Jesus, by connection and union with Jesus. So here's what I want to do. The same message that John preached is also the message that Jesus preached. You keep reading in Mark and Jesus, he shows up and he starts preaching and he says, repent and believe the good news. Repentance is, is, can be this scary word, but that's not the way that the father intended it. 
We do this all the time. Repentance is about learning. It's about correcting. It's about living rightly. And so repentance is a gift where we realize that in God, we've been walking ways that are contrary to his heart and his will. And by faith, we go, God, I'm gonna align my life back under your lordship. Repentance should be the posture, the cadence of the follower of Jesus. We do it over and over. And we don't do it with shame. We don't do it with condemnation. We do it because it's a grace on our lives. So here in just a minute, I'm gonna invite you just to close your eyes and I'm just gonna just ask God just one question. And I want you just to, to pay attention to let the Holy Spirit search your heart. This is what the Spirit does. And this is a question I'm gonna ask. God, is there anything that I am currently believing or doing that's keeping me from living how you intend for me to live? And if there's any thought or any pattern or any sin or anything that comes up in your life, in your heart, we're gonna just, we're gonna keep this before the Lord and I'm gonna give us a chance after that to take communion. You know, that, what, what John says, the beloved John chapter, or first John chapter one, he says, if we confess, God is faithful to forgive us. So we don't come here this morning bearing our own righteousness, Righteousness, we don't come this morning to try to impress people. We don't come this morning to heap shame on people. We come here this morning as brothers and sisters in solidarity going, we all struggle and we all sin. And if there's a safe place for it, it's at the communion table of grace where God meets us. And so I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna give us a 30 seconds of silence. I'm gonna pray this prayer. I encourage you to pay attention to what God draws to your attention. And then I'll close this out in prayer and I encourage you after that to gather with the people around you and just to share. And this is what the Spirit was showing me. Or, and it could be, you know, God wasn't, I didn't, nothing came to mind and that's completely okay. But you might know deep in your heart, man, this place of, of struggle and I encourage you to share that. And don't just share it. Take the bread, take the juice and pray for one another. And I'll give us a few minutes to do this and I'll call us back into worship. So, I encourage you right now, if you're comfortable, close your eyes. I'm gonna pray, give us a few seconds for silence. I'll close out the prayer, then send us to communion. And so God, and first and foremost, if, if I said anything or did anything um, that was not in line with your heart, if I um, did anything that detracted from your glory, please forgive me, have mercy on me. And God, if there was um, truth that was proclaimed this morning. Let it soak into our hearts and bear fruit. Lord, we don't want to just stand and look at Jesus. We want to be like him. There's so many aspects about his life that are challenging and difficult, but we look at our lives and we go, man, we want that. We want to be connected to you, Father, like Jesus was. We want to walk in the peace and the joy that you did. We want to help people around us come alive like you did, Jesus. And Father, there are things that we've stumbled into, patterns of thought or patterns of behavior that are is keeping us from living the life you created us to. And so right now, God, by your grace, by the spirit that lives in us, would you search our hearts? And would you bring to our mind, bring to our attention any place that we are believing something or that we are doing something that's keeping us from living the life that you created us for? God, right now, we're by faith opening our hearts and our minds to let you show us, to let you speak to us.
Father, as we take communion, man, keep showing us. God, make it abundantly clear the things because we know that, that, that you want us to live the full life. So as we take the bread, as we drink the cup right now with other believers, with other sisters and brothers, we pray that you would meet us and that as we bring these things into the light that you would help us. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. All right, right now, let's, let's take a few minutes, circle up your chairs to the people around you. I just encourage you to, to share. Is there anything that God revealed? Again, it's not a place of condemnation, it's a place of grace. Let's be open, let's be honest, take a few minutes and share. And if it's nothing, say that, it's okay, I didn't have anything, and just pray for each other. And I'll get back up in a minute and call us back into worship.